Every time I hear that, I think we're in a movie theater, and it's like, I'm waiting for the little cows to moo on either side. That just like fly back and forth. That'd be sweet. Welcome to Open Life. My name is Thad, and I am a little nasally, so forgive me for the cold. But we're going to continue. We're going to finish up, actually, today our series called Supernatural. We've been walking through 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10-ish, 11-ish, 12-ish, somewhere around there, and uh, 11, and uh, as well challenging you to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. So hopefully you've had a chance to do that. If not, if you're here first time, we're going to catch you up. And we're having a lot of fun realizing God's intent for actually like the supernatural things He defines. He says there'll be even more that like aren't defined, but uh, at least those that He gave us definition for in His Word, the supernatural gifts, we could look at those and know like, what will this look like today in our world? How do we do these things? How do they operate? And, uh, and learn a little together, discover that much more what God has for us. Uh, the handout that's, that, that you received on your way in, if you're a note taker, that, that's there for you. Or if you're just a doodler, do your best artwork and have some fun. So here we, let's dive in. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, and this has been really our theme verse for the, the whole series, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. It's, it's for all of our good, Right? 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 11 goes on to say, to one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Totally removes us from the scenario, right? Goes in verse 31, says, eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then after all this teaching, we land ourselves in in, uh, 1 Corinthians 14. And the first part of that, uh, uh, verse 1 there says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. We'll look at that again here in a second. Spiritual gifts are not a badge of honor or a sign of spiritual maturity. They're not a badge of honor or a sign of spiritual maturity. The Holy Spirit desires to work uniquely through each one of you as He chooses. Like, that's what it's all about. It's not about us at all. It's about Him desiring to meet all of our common good, maybe in a way that we don't even know as we'll look and, and, and uncover here in a second. It's very cool what He is up to through anyone who chooses to follow Jesus. So all it takes is that we choose to follow Jesus. And we're going to tackle a huge array of, uh, of this section of, of 8 through 11 in Scripture. I mean, it's a big chunk of Scriptures and gifts, but I think it's important that we uh, really hit on all of them so that we know what we're talking about, the message of wisdom, message of knowledge, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. A lot of people call these the message gifts, if you would. And uh, I think these are some of the more, more challenging Honestly, I think it's a it's greater challenge to, to allow God to use you in any of these message gifts. Um, 
uh, I think it's a greater challenge than that of healing and miracles and faith. Like healing and miracles and faith, as we learned last week, and it is simply like praying for someone, and sometimes, you know, maybe you put your hands on them and pray, and, and they'll be well. It could be very casual. It could be in a break room. It could be after work in the parking lot, you know, and God could choose to heal somebody through you. It's very cool. It's a moment of faith, right? Uh, or maybe He just gives you the inspiration to tackle something huge, and, and, but it's a decision. Operating in these message gifts involves you and me being used in a way where God needs our humanity, but our humanity gets in the way. You know, pride could get in the way. Uh, uh, we, could, we could just put our own thoughts into His thoughts, you know, when He's trying to share a word through us, and we're like, so it's a little more tricky, but yet, man, I encourage all of us to take the risk. And so, uh, just sharing openly, I think in my life, when I've used any of these gifts or when God has allowed those to flow through me, I have thought, man, this is a way bigger risk than me just like saying, be healed in the name of Jesus, right? And, uh, and so, we'll uncover that a little bit. There's just so much humanity that can get in the way, and so we'll kind of guard ourselves to, to how that could happen as we look at this. This Friday and Saturday, we have a unique opportunity to go baptize some students, and the Andersons are like, uh, uh, their, their son Holden was like, I want to be baptized in this lake in the middle of the Cascades, and it's really cold probably, and uh, Basin Lake. And so, uh, could we go up there and do our baptism? And, and I was like, uh, sure, right? Why not? I actually love the thought. I think it's totally unique. I love to empower and give people their own moment before the Lord. And I love it when people get baptized and go public with their faith. And, and we're going to have a baptism party later in September. And, and so I was like, you know, as a, as a whole church, for any of you who haven't been baptized and you're interested, check the box on your connection card. But we're, uh, uh, we're going to like hike in and do this thing. And I was thinking, you know, it's one thing just to say yes and go do it, right? And uh, it's another thing to like know the elements and what we're getting into. I was actually uh, with our girls on Monday up on uh, Crystal Mountain up at the top looking around and just going, oh, I bet Basin Lake's like over that ridge. I had the little like map. I'm going, it's a pretty good ridge. That'll be fun to do. And, and, but just on top of the world, and I was going, I was thinking of all the hikers that don't respect the mountain when they hike. They don't prepare. They don't think, maybe I need to know where I'm going. I should know the trails. I should maybe take a GPS with me. I should maybe wear clothes that are appropriate. You know, maybe take some water. You know, the elements. People don't respect the mountain. And isn't it those that you see, like, on the news at night? And they're like, we don't know if they'll make it because they had no supplies. They just went for a walk, and then they disappeared. And you, you, you got to kind of respect the scenario, know the lay of land, and then prepare, and then go, and you can then enjoy the beauty and the incredible nature. And it is awe-inspiring at every corner when you're up there hiking or, or as we use we cheated. We used the gondola. Just took us right up. That's the easy way, right? No hiking shoes. You just get in the gondola. But anyway, it was, so we got to the top and, and had some fun. But uh, the gifts are kind of like the mountain. You, you need to respect them. You need to know what they're all about. You kind of need to define them and figure them out. And then r- respect their use, but also understand like where beauty comes about, danger exists, right? And I think 
if you're like me, I've heard way more about the negative of spiritual gifts than I have about the positive. You know, you hear about people who get uh, put in a chair and everybody circles them and wants them to speak in tongues. That's like nowhere in the Bible. Or you see, uh, you know, you just hear of uh, an abuse. I know one time we were on a, a choir tour and uh, with some teenagers, and we were in Colorado, and, and this guy that uh, was there prophesying over everybody grabbed two eighth graders, a boy and a girl, and prophesied over them that they were going to be married. And I was like, and so now all of a sudden, the girl after the service is crying because she has to break up with her boyfriend and get to know this guy because God wants them to be married. Yeah, clean that one up. That was just crazy. So things like that, you know, they happen. I've had the, the guy praying for me step on my feet and try to shove me over because it's more spiritual if I fall or something. You know, so those moments have occurred. I've been there. It's weird and not the goal. So, and, and so that's kind of, you have to respect the gifts, and, but yet re- realize when humanity just takes over and it becomes more about what gifts flow through us versus how God is glorified in the common good, it gets messy. But I would way rather us dare to use the gifts that God promises us to glorify His church than for us to avoid them completely and just seem dead, right? I'd rather clean up than have no mess spiritually. So, and that's the gift of pastoring in me. Like, that's the role of the pastor is to help, like, discern some of this stuff, as, as we'll see as we begin to grasp and define these so we can lessen the danger but enjoy the risk, I guess you could say. And I love the tension of, of those moments anyway. There's nothing like, uh, nothing like it, actually. It's, it's kind of fun. Maybe I'm just weird that way. Uh, the first thing, the gift we'll talk about is the message of wisdom. And the definitions are just right there on your handout to help you. But the message of wisdom is the first one. It's a Holy Spirit-inspired word of practical insight and in applying God's word to a specific situation. The aim here is uh, to truly like unpack a promise for somebody in a moment where naturally you wouldn't be able to. Um, It's like all of a sudden, this isn't godly wisdom because you've been in your Bible daily and you've been praying and you've been like just growing in spiritual maturity. This This is a moment of like you all of a sudden remember the Scripture that was preached on seven months ago so clearly and you can unpack it for somebody because of their circumstance. And God chose to use you in that moment to reveal to them the truth of that text. That's what this is. And those things happen more and more if you actually develop the spiritual discipline of memorizing Scripture, because there's more in you that God can use to unpack. So that's why oftentimes on your connection card next steps, you'll see a Scripture for the series that is a Scripture you can memorize. You know, it's, it's healthy to do because you'll be all of a sudden have that in you so the moment God chooses to flow through you in this spiritual gift of a message of wisdom that you could just naturally unpack it for somebody and be the encouragement and the good in the scenario that God needed. You're all of a sudden able. You put yourself in a position to be used in the area of this gifting. And uh, so it's kind of a cool one. The second one, message of knowledge, 
is a Holy Spirit-inspired statement revealing knowledge about people, circumstances, and biblical truth. Uh, so it's, it's just like a revelation. Uh, uh, the aim here is usually to provide guidance, maybe confirmation, some form of direction, and uh, sometimes it exposes something. I've definitely been in an evangelistic crusade when I was not living for God. I remember this moment clearly, Seattle Center. And uh, this guy, uh, his name was Reinhard Bonnke. You might have seen him on TV. He kind of talks like that. And he's got like saliva going. Anyway, so it's like Reinhard Bonnke. And he would all of a sudden get this word of knowledge about people. And he's like, last night, you were with a girl you shouldn't have been with. You know, and some guy was like, that was me. And I'm thinking at the time, he's a plant. Like, you know, like, or somebody had him write down his need at the door, and he's got like the speaker in his ear. You know, that's kind of how far I was from God. But I was at the same time going, I don't want to get my junk called out in front of everybody, so I'm just going to pray right now for the first time in my life. Lord, forgive me for whatever he might call out up there. I don't want to stand up and say, it was me, you know. So anyway, uh, just keeping it real. Um, if you uh, have ever experienced this, it's actually really cool. Um, so we'll just pause right now and I'll start to call out. No, I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, Lord, okay, forgive right now. Uh, I didn't mean to click that link. Uh, so it's just, it's, it, some of the times you uh, get nervous when this is happening, but where I've seen this, uh, you know, some people just naturally would call this gift and operation divine insight. They'd go, man, you have wisdom, or that was divine insight you just had. But really, it's God wanting to bring good to somebody uh, in a very unique way. I, I, I wrote down in my notes here, God doesn't need prism. For those of you who follow the news, the government can track everything you're doing on the computer or on your cell phones, and it's a big deal, and there's like a bunch of people freaking out about it. And uh, so that that, uh, uh, you know, came to light, and, and everybody's panicking about the government watching them all the time, as if we didn't think they were. And, uh, and so, you know, the, God is watching us all the time. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's everywhere. He's all the time. He knows our stuff. And if He chooses in a moment to use somebody to reveal it for our good so that we know He's real, it's a very healthy thing, honestly. And that can be the very thing necessary to bring to light something that would draw us to ask for forgiveness. 1 Corinthians 14.25 says it this way, The secrets of his heart will be laid bare, so he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Right? Like that's the gift of knowledge and and prophecy, as we'll look at in a sense, in, in a moment. Uh, two different ways that really God has used, that I, I've experienced this gift, and I share just to help you kind of figure it out, because maybe someday God will do the same in your life. I'm always a little nervous to reveal it, you know, or like to, to talk about the one is just really weird, and I have a cold right now, so I don't know how it would be possible for me to do this. But I would talk to somebody, maybe at an altar call where people come forward and you're praying for them, and, and I would have a sense of smell that brought to my mind a thought about something that they were doing. Like, honestly, I would smell something, it would trigger, and I would just say, 
you know, I really feel like God revealed to me you've been doing this, and He wants to forgive you for it. And they would look at me like, nobody knows that. How do you know that? And then you feel really weird, and I don't usually ever tell anybody this. I smelled it. You know, you don't say that because then you're like really odd. They're like, you were smelling me? No, not intentionally. It's like, but I, it's interesting when you do a scripture study and you see like even Jesus is referred to as like the rose of Sharon in scripture, which is an aroma. And uh, so there's like a, there, there's a smell, like there's smells associated with some spirits or behaviors or whatever you call it, the supernatural. And so God, in a way, has given me that discernment to kind of, at times, not regularly, just know, like, what to bring up. I don't think there's a a smell associated with the use of the drug uh, ecstasy, but I remember being in a counseling meeting and just going, you know, I think God's challenging me that you should, to say to you, just, you don't need ecstasy. What He could give you is worth much more. And they were just like, how did you know that? You know, and they repent, and it's this moment of revelation for them. And the more natural way that this has worked <laughs> in my life is when I'm praying for somebody, and God just challenges me to pray something they didn't ask for, but He's, like, put in my head. So I just, like, this is kind of a combination between prophecy and uh, a, a message of knowledge. I just kind of would go, you know, I think I'm supposed to pray this over you, so let me just do it. And I'd pray it over them, and afterwards they're like, I've been wondering if I should do that. I'm not foretelling their future. I'm confirming a thought they had. And I've seen that happen over and over again, over and over and over and over again, more commonly than the smell deal. But uh, I don't know how God would use you in that way or in your workplace or, or in, in your home or, or just with those you love. How would God use you to just speak something that somebody hasn't revealed so that that would reveal to them God is real? That's the purpose of this supernatural gift, and, and, and it's a pretty, pretty cool one, and, and yet does take some risk. I mean, you're stepping outside of your zone, and you're willing to look a little weird, and, uh, uh, but anyway, number three, prophecy. So th- this, this message of knowledge and prophecy are closely tied to each other. You'll see here. It's a special temporary ability to deliver a message, warning, challenge, or revelation from God under the impulse of the Holy Spirit. Um, this is not to be confused with the ministry gift listed in First, or Ephesians 4 of the office of a prophet. This is, that's not, not what this one is. This is, uh, this is the, the, a momentary message or warning or challenge. Uh, it's a gift given for a moment to clarify God's will. It's not a moment where the future is predicted. This is not the Christian version of fortune-telling, you know? Uh, let's go to the prophet and see what he thinks I should do with my stocks this year, you know? It's like, come on, give me some guidance. Is Facebook going to go up? You know, I don't know what, you should, what, what stock you'd… That'd be a bad one to choose. But anyway, so, uh, but try to figure that out. Uh, go to Edward Jones for that advice. That'd be… Our, I'm just kidding. Somebody who knows what they're doing. But it's clarifying God's will. It's not predicting your future. And more importantly, this is not equal to the Word of God. It's confirmed with the Word of God, but it's not equal. If we have somebody like that, let's take that eighth grade 
not couple that were on choir tour with us, that, uh, you know, they were prophesied over, that they were going to get married. By the way, they are both happily married today, not to each other. And so, just, just to say. Uh, but, you know, it was, uh, you look at those, those moments and you go, uh, I need to now test this, and I'll talk about how to test it. But it, if they would have held that word higher than the word of God, then they would have gone on a really weird journey together. But if they kind of take that under the authority of the Word of God, then they're going to be in a lot healthier place. And that's what we're supposed to do with a prophetic word that God gives us, is it should illuminate His Word. It should make it more real. Listen to these instructions. 1 John 4.1, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Hello. <laughs> you know, that's just a reality. 1 Corinthians 14.29 says, Two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. In other words, don't say, no prophets welcome here, don't prophesy. Uh, in other words, say, if prophecy happens, weigh it. What's good? Hold on to that. Hold on to the good. So here's how you, here's how you test it. Here's how you weigh it, I guess. Three little, little uh, ways that you can do it. Uh, first, does it line up with God's Word? God doesn't contradict Himself. Does it line up with His Word? Second, does this promote godly living? So I once had a word of knowledge like to myself when I was praying at my couch in my bedroom, and uh, uh, I was a brand new believer, had no idea what a message of knowledge or word of knowledge was, didn't know what prophecy was. I was just praying and felt like I heard from God, and He said, you will marry a pastor's wife. So, right interpretation, I would marry someone who feels like they're going to be a pastor's wife. Wrong interpretation, go check out all the pastor's wives and see which one I should get, right? You know, that is, so there's like, ah, does this line up with the Word of God? Or, you know, can I, does this promote godly living? I'm not sure. Hey, pastor, yeah, I heard from God. What about, well, I need to pick someone's wife, so line them up. You know, that'd just be awkward. And uh, that was not the goal. And then I probably would not have been welcome in that church anymore. But I, I look at, at this <coughs> and uh, say, does it promote godly living? You should be able to kind of pick the right interpretation pretty easily. And then, uh, is this delivered by one who follows Jesus? If it's like from someone, not just from God, then, then like, is this a follower of Jesus? Is it a creeper? What is this? You know, who, what could be the intent of this? And was man the source or was God the source? And those are the things you just kind of you sit there and you contemplate. So does it line up with God's Word? Does it promote godly living? And, and look at the source and go, mm. Again, though, prophecy and all these gifts, this is not, uh, this is not rooted in a... Uh, not rooted in the person. It's, it's rooted in God. So it's not like you have to be the most faithful source for God to work th 
through you prophetically. So it's kind of tricky when you're weighing the source because sometimes it may be a very new believer that God gives a word to. Prophecy operates under God's will. We kind of covered that in our first week. It's His desire. It's His purpose for it. Uh, It's not the will of humans, but it can't happen without us. Like, we have to share it. Uh, The prophet is not physically entranced. I think with all these gifts, with, all, with the supernatural, uh, it, it's made pretty clear we're in a mindful state, obedient to ourself, not the gift. So maybe, you know, I just couldn't help it. I had to keep prophesying or, you know, or, or somebody can't help themselves if they're falling down, knocking a bunch of chairs around. They can help themselves. They, if it's from God, the person's in control, not the behavior. Here's the passage or a couple of them. Uh, 2 Peter 1.21, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And then 1 Corinthians 14.32, the spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets, for God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the saints." So God's a God of order and not like He's not just going to have everything go wild. The, the, the gift is subject to the prophet, not the prophet subject to the gift. Uh, in one of the studies uh, I was reading in one of the Bibles, I think it was like a Spirit-filled New King James Version or something, but it had a, uh, a note. It said, when it says prophets are not subject, the word subject literally means to stand under. The word suggests subordination, obedience, submission, subversion, subjection. The divine gift of prophetic utterance is put under the control and responsibility of the possessor. I say that because sometimes I think one of the fears to our operating in supernatural or spiritual gifts is we feel like, well, I'm just going to become like a zombie for God. Not at all. You're in total, like you're still you. You're just allowing God to use you in a moment for the common good of the church. And prophecy is not prepared speech. It's a moment of insight. It's not something we craft. Although preaching is often prophetic in nature, we're calling out something we feel God has put inside of us, and we're giving you that through a talk. Uh, More often than not, it's a moment. It's not crafted. It's God communicating to us in a moment. That moment happened in my life once at a camp, A bunch of you have seen this, but for those of you who haven't, I want to show it so that I can teach from this moment because it's rare that you catch a moment like this on video, but we just so happen to be at a camp where we were filming everything. So watch this real quick. Remember the first time I called you guys out and this is the first time I didn't know and you guys were wanting to have, have a baby. And I blurted it out from everybody that you guys wanted to have a baby and the whole story, God spoke to you at the same time, God spoke to you at the same time, and I was like, babies. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. It was so profound. So profound. The same deep desire that you had at one time in your life for natural is just as strong today right now at this point in my life. And I pronounce 
kinds of gifts in the operation right there on that video, and we'll talk about uh, tongues and interpretation in a second, which you heard in the background just going off, and some of you, your weird meter went, <laughs> you know, when you're watching a video like that, but uh, in that moment, uh, the, uh, you, you hear him prophesying over us, and uh, he had one time before prophesied over us that we were going to have babies, as he indicates at the beginning, and Low, and we weren't able to at the time, and lo and behold, we had identical twin girls, right? Jocelyn and Jenna, who are now 10 years old. So this is five years later. This is, you saw the date there, and uh, this is in June, at the end of June, and we have no idea what he's talking about. We're clueless as to what he is uh, talking about nine months from today you're going to do, right? Uh, honestly, it didn't, like, so we didn't elevate it above the Word of God. We didn't, we, we, we said, oh, He has prophesied accurately into our lives before, so we were aware of it, but we didn't necessarily even keep it in our mind. We weren't mindful, that mindful of it until we were in a meeting in February of 2009 when we were being in a, in a meeting in our church about whether or not Somebody was sitting at that table that should plant a church or start a church in Bonnie Lake that would reach out to people who had never been in church before, who in their term, in the guy's term that was sharing at the table, were far from God. And he was saying, would you, you know, who around this table could do that? If, if that person isn't here, then, then, you know, maybe this isn't the circle we should be around looking for this individual, but we just feel like God's supposed to do something in Bonnie Lake, and maybe that person is here. So I'm sitting there. And my brain starts firing off with, like, ideas of, like, he starts explaining what that person would be like, and it fit Dana and I and, like, the neighborhood we live in, the White River Estates right over here off, uh, across 214th. We're just going, we live there. Man, we're kind of in that area. We know a bunch of people, and we love Jesus and love our friends, and, and we start to do the math, and we're going, I'm like, oh, crap, this could be us, right? I'm at the table going… I'm glad I'm going last around this table because somebody else is going to own this one before me, right? Well, eventually at this table, it goes around the circle, and they're like, what do you feel? What do you feel? And people are crying. I feel like God's supposed to do this, maybe. And others are like, this is insanely dumb, you know? And, and so, like, we're going around this circle, and, and then the, person, the other person who lived in Bonnie Lake goes before me, and he's like, this is not me, I know. I'm going, oh, great, right? I'm at the, sitting at this table. I've never thought of starting a church in my life, and... I have a camp in two days that my mind's totally there. But when it got to me, I was like, I see the win in this. Like, I could see how this could be good for a church that's shrunk, because we were in a church that was shrinking drastically. And I was like, I mean, when you give life, life comes back to you. And if we gave life to something new in Bonnie Lake, like, this could be a win. Dana and I live there. This could be us. But I feel like I just committed job suicide by saying that. And... Uh, and I'm having all these thoughts, and I go home, and by the way, they voted at the table 10 to 4 to go forward with it. I'm like, what? You know? And uh, let me pray. So they gave us three weeks to pray about it. And I remember 
going home and telling Dana, we, we're going to plant a church, you know, <laughs> and Bonnie Lake, and she's like, what? Did you just hump, mumble? And, uh, and so we started to, to talk about it, and immediately I was like, what did Pastor Keith speak over us at that camp again? And I remember looking it up, and Jaden was actually the intern at the time that filmed that, and, and I was like, do you still have that word of prophecy? So he sends it to me. I watch it. I'm like, nine months. July, August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. I'm like, oh, this is, this is you know, this is totally possible. Like, it'd have to be right at the end of March or beginning of April where, where this had happened. I was like, oh, this is February. So no, you know, this isn't what he was talking about. Maybe it is, though. You know, so anyway, we started to pray about it. And one thing after another, three weeks later, we said we're willing. The church got afraid and they said, well, now we're not, kind of, right? So we were like, oh, that was a weird test of our willingness. And, uh, but then, after some further prayer and discussion, they were like, no, we should be willing. Okay, so it delayed instead of in the early March board meeting. It was the late March, early April board meeting where they approved for us to start a church in Bonnie Lake. Surprise, exactly nine months after that prophetic word. So sometimes... It's like spot on when you're prophesied over. And I show that to just go, this could happen in your life. God could do something like this in and through you. Don't be afraid of it. Be mindful of it. And it's a very cool moment when it happens. This is part of open life story right here. Well, one of the other things you heard in there is people speaking in other tongues. So let's go on to that one, number four. Speaking in different kinds of tongues, expressing oneself at spiritual level under the direct influence of the Holy Spirit to pray, praise, speak in a language he or she has not learned. It could be an actual language. It could be what's referred to as a heavenly language in the book of Acts in verse 2, 4 through 6, they are speaking in tongues, and other people hear their own language spoken from people who don't know their language. They think they're wasted. <laughs> they're like, these guys are drunk. How are they speaking my language? <laughs> and, uh, and so that was interesting. And then, uh, but there's other times where it's called a heavenly language, and they're praying in it or praising in it, and they don't know what they're saying. It's unintelligible words. And uh, it just involves the human body being in unison with the Spirit of God, uh, giving thanks or proclaiming something over a group of people, kind of again in line with pr prophecy, but it involves this other language deal at the same time. And uh, it could involve praying to yourself or for others. We see occurrences in Scripture where, where Paul says, I pray in tongues more than all of you. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, just that's a, that's a reality. You could end up where, where you are just praying in English, and all of a sudden you're like praying in another language, and you're like, what just happened? And that's this tongues thing that is spoken of in Scripture. And uh, it's a very beautiful deal. God's will is to communicate revelation and knowledge and, and prophecy and teaching and challenge and encouragement through His body. And, and, and this one when matched with interpretation, is we're, we're told that it's actually a sign for unbelievers. So next, interpretation of tongues, a spirit-given ability to interpret what is spoken in tongues. When a word of tongues is spoken in like a gathering environment, 
or, or a small group where there's people, and somebody interprets it, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 22, tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is for believers, not for unbelievers. So this unique gift is something that is for the unbeliever in the room to go, that was awkward, that was beyond natural, this had to have either been psycho or God. And so it's made to be something that makes it very clear that God is real. Kind of an interesting use of the supernatural God would use to make Himself real is one of the most weird supernatural gifts, right? Tongues and interpretation. How many of you have ever been in an environment where tongues and interpretation has happened and you felt uncomfortable? Like, yeah, exactly, right? (laughs) Watching that video. You're like, yeah, that video, whoo, man, there's a lot of that happening. So, uh, So, you know, and I've been in some environments where it's crazy and we're giving instruction towards that, which I don't have time to go into today. I'm already going long, so I'm gonna crank up a speed notch. 1 Corinthians 12.31 says this, eagerly desire greater gifts. Now I will show you the most excellent way. If, speak, if I speak in tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So obviously our inspiration, our motivation, has to be that we love others. Not that we love ourselves and want to puff ourselves up with a supernatural gift. We just have a crazy love for people. And, you know, my, my life verse I've shared often, 1 Thessalonians 2, 8, I loved you so much that we were delighted to share the gospel of God with you, but our lives as well because you've become so dear to us. I love people. I love praying for people. I love seeing people transformed. I love seeing obedience in people. I love seeing water baptism. I love the story of the journey and the mess of life as God takes us along to a a deeper relationship with Him and a growing relationship with Him. And out of that, God allows supernatural gifts to come about. But we first have to really love others. That's why if you've been reading along for 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, God puts 1 Corinthians 13 right in the middle so that we understand without love, all these gifts are like worthless. We've first got to be just broken for those around us. We've got to love our city. We've got to love the people around us and and be willing to sacrifice our own pride and and risk operation of a, a spiritual gift to even to even bring glory to God for the common good. Uh, but love is the root. So how can we practice these today? Very simple. Let me rattle these off. First, genuinely. These gifts are not to be an operation when God… Or they're, they're not like, we need to provide a moment. God hasn't moved in about a month, so just keyboards for 10 minutes. Okay, guys, you ready? This is the moment. We'll wait for somebody to speak in tongues. <laughs> and then hopefully somebody interprets. No, that's not what this is about, right? Uh, we, we must find moments when we can allow God to move, but uh, we don't want to manufacture the supernatural. You've been in environments, maybe if you've grown up in church, where it's being manufactured. Press in! Press in! Let's go! Let's press in! 
Half hour later, come on, keep pressing in. God's going to move. Come on, God, be with us. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's with us. We don't have to, like, make him show up. So we don't want to manufacture this thing. We just want to provide environments where God can move genuinely. And that way, we know it's him and not us. We're removed from the scenario. It's the common good. Second, orderly. We know that how we should practice these today is in an orderly way because God teaches that he's orderly in his operations of the gifts. It's no more than three times should it happen in a service and all these different things are listed in 1 Corinthians 14. If you've been reading along, you've read these. But in 1 Corinthians 14, 13, it says, God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. He wants order, but he also wants freedom. Number three, these gifts should operate freely. 1 Corinthians 14, 39, my brothers be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So God's both orderly, but free. He wants his gifts to be free to move in any environment that we're in. Open life will not restrict the gifts from being utilized or operated in. We encourage free, right? This is freely. Feel free to allow the gifts to move through you and take that risk and that step. We'll weigh it. If it's not of Him, we'll say it, right? That's okay. It's all part of us growing together in our relationship with Jesus. I would rather have an awkward moment and someone have risked being used by God and operating in a gift than having a silent church. We should be responsive to God and allow Him to use us. I think the most natural space for this is camps that I've seen, retreats, groups even, where we're just in a prayer meeting or a targeted worship and prayer service. Or Yeah, I, I think sometimes the sound can trump the environment for God to move. So it's, we've got to really be hungry for that. And then finally, and I've already kind of honed in on it, number four is lovingly. So these gifts today, they should operate genuinely, orderly, freely, and lovingly. Our motivation should never be the gift, should never be that we want another badge. You know, congratulations, you got the badge of prophesy. <laughs> Woohoo! Got it. I'm almost like a solid Christian because I need just three more badges. No. It's not the game. It's just about God. And it's about Him choosing each one of you at any given moment. He can use you to be an incredible, incredible encouragement for everyone around you. And that is a very beautiful and cool moment. Again, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Can we pray together? This has been a fun journey. I just, I think sometimes we have so many questions about this. And if you have additional questions, jot that. You know, I'd like to talk to somebody about this or shoot us a message on the city or an email and we'll start a dialogue. I love having conversations about these things and uh, allowing just an understanding to come from some things that are pretty awkward and abnormal for our, our common day. So God, I thank you that we have 
your word to guide us and stuff that were un, that's unknown to us, especially for those of us who have not grown up in the church and, and our weird meter just goes off the charts when we start talking or hearing somebody speak in a language we're not aware of and then somebody else like interpret what they said and we're going, did they really just do that? Was that, uh, what was that? And I pray that you had just, now we know what it is, but yet we still need to be ready to practice that at any time. We should be eager for it actually, but in a genuine and in a free and an orderly and in a loving way that would be for the common good. Like, honestly, God, I pray that you would just wreck us for our city and the people around us, that we would have a love for our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers and our families like none other. Deepen that love for others. May we realize that the deeper our love gets, the more eager we get for you to move through us to impact their life. And may you do that. May we be open vessels for you to flow through. May we pray for the gifts, realizing that we're praying for love of others at the same time in order for those gifts to operate. Use us, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.